Leaders wear so many hats, and most of us are getting new hats all the time. And if being the catalyst for learning in your organization isn't a hat you've considered, here's why it's important to add to your repertoire. This is Coaching for Leaders, Episode 382. Produced by Innovate Learning. Maximizing Human Potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show gives you access to the practical wisdom that will empower you to become a better leader. I'm not sure if you've thought about your role as a leader, manager, whatever your title or role within your organization is, in thinking about it as inspiring and taking the place of learning, of being able to create a learning framework in your organization and to practice and even inspire shared learning. It is becoming an important competency for us as leaders. Many of you in our listening community do a bit of this already naturally as part of your work. Today's guest is going to really challenge us to be even more intentional on how we can practice and inspire shared learning in our organization so that we can be much more effective as leaders in producing organizational results. And probably, if not the most important thing, certainly something the people we're leading are thinking about is how do we do a better job at supporting professional development in our organizations. I am thrilled to welcome back to the show Dan Chabel. He is a New York Times bestselling author, a partner and research director at Future Workplace, and the founder of both Millennial Branding and WorkplaceTrends.com. He is the bestselling author of two career books, Promote Yourself, which he was previously on the show speaking about, and Me 2.0. He's written for Forbes, Fortune, Time, The Economist, and the Harvard Business Review, and he is the author of the new book just released, Back to Human, How Great Leaders Create Connection in the Age of Isolation. Dan, welcome back to the show. Happy to be here, Dave. So I was reading through the book, and the chapter that grabbed my attention was on practicing shared learning. And I hope it's okay if I read the first paragraph of this chapter, because it is the thing that got me thinking about this conversation right away. You start off and say, the greatest challenge for professionals in today's society is to stay relevant in a world that's constantly changing. The amount of new information that's created every day is astounding, and it's practically impossible to keep up. But what's even more astounding is that the half-life of skills is now only five years. In other words, the skills you have today and that your employer values may be close to worthless by the time you get your next job. Boy, this is a big change that's happened in the world in the last decade, isn't it? We have to learn at the speed of business now. It's so hard to keep up with all the new developments that we have to rely on each other and share the knowledge that we have in order to stay relevant and be innovative and be our best selves. And learning is not something that happens at one point in time. It's a lifetime of learning. And that's why leaders today have to create a culture that embraces learning and development for everyone, regardless of title, gender, ethnic background, or age. We're all in this together, and we need to make learning a central part of 
what we do and how we do it. And there are so many different sources of education now, which is a great thing. But the best source are the people around us because you can only read so many articles per day. But when you have a team of three, five, ten people who are learning and taking classes and doing tutorials and taking courses and doing so many different things education-wise, they can pass this knowledge around the organization, around their team so that everyone benefits. You cannot be selfish with knowledge anymore. Otherwise, you're hurting yourself and the people around you because the more you share, the more people will want to reciprocate and support you like anything else. If you help people achieve their goals, they'll help you achieve your goals as long as they're decent people, of course. And you and I have both seen wonderful examples of leaders who have been doing this for many years. But I think previously, this was considered like a really nice to have. This was, um, if you were a leader who did this, you were thinking on the cutting edge a little bit. Today, it's really become, from the statistic you cite, it's become a necessity because of the speed of business and the speed of change that's happening. And before we get into some of the tactics of this, I'm just curious about you. You've done a ton of research for this book. Who did you talk to? And like, where did all this information come from as far as going out in the world and collecting data? Well, since 2012, I've conducted 45 research studies surveying about 90,000 people in over 20 countries. I also, for this book, I surveyed over 2,000 people with Virgin Pulse from 10 different countries. These people were managers and employees. And I also interviewed 100 of the top young leaders at 100 of the best companies in the world. Wow. Plus personal experience and conversations with some of the most successful people that open up all the chapters like people from all different industries I've, I've really captured here just to show that this is impacting everyone and that everyone is viewing learning as something lifelong now, not just as a moment in time, as something that has to be done consecutively. Like the chapter opens with this amazing quote from my interview with Trevor Noah, school is just the place where you learn the rules of the system. Your life is where you get your education. Mm, indeed. So- it's, it's not just about learning these days. It's all about the application of that learning. Everyone's like, oh, I'm reading all these books. I'm listening to all these podcasts. I'm reading these articles. That is not enough. If you're not applying that knowledge, you're not really learning it. You know, people actually learn by doing. And if all they do is read and listen and watch, they're doing themselves a disservice, the people around them a disservice, and their company a disservice. So... The best thing to do is follow the right people, make the right connections, make learning part of your daily activity. For me, I wake up in the morning every day, seven days a week and for over 10 years, and I review everything that's going on in my world from a research and insight and an article perspective to know exactly what's going on in that given day so that throughout the rest of the day, I can bring up articles and examples and case studies and research and insights that are going to benefit those conversations. That's why I'll sit in a meeting with HR leaders at top companies and I'll be able to impress them and bring a lot more to the table because I'm so well read. I've skimmed and reviewed over 8,000 research-based articles over the decade, right? So this is just part of what I do and I do my own research and I'm constantly having conversations because that's how I keep sharp 
And it's something I recommend to everyone. Like, why wouldn't you make learning and education part of your daily routine? Because it just helps you in every conversation you have, whether it's a job interview or you're making a presentation at work or you're trying to sell a client on a solution. This is going to help everything you do. And here's the thing. Like, when I wrote this book, it's not like I had to go out and do so much new third-party research because I've been reading and bookmarking research for the past 10 years. So I just went back, typed in a few keywords, and collected all that data and helped make the book more interesting using the data. So it's, it's a whole process, right? And it start, it's every day. And the more you do it, the more you get in the habit of doing it, creating habits like reading and then the, applying that reading and knowledge is going to help you for, for the rest of your life. So many people articulate a love for learning. I hear that a lot in my work. And my sense is, is that what most people really mean by that is they love collecting information, but they don't necessarily take the next step, which you articulated is, now how do I apply it practically? And that's what more and more we're starting to see, not only in our own work as leaders, but we're actually seeing that expectation come from the people we're leading. And one of the points you make in your research is that you know people may say they want and articulate the traditional things like benefit and salary and all that but what a lot of people are expecting now is the training and development that's going to help them to advance their careers and if they don't see that they're going to look elsewhere for it exactly and the relevancy of a learned skill is only five years and that's declining there's so much disruption happening there's new development skills are becoming less or more valuable over time and so you need to not be so attached to certain skills and, and take a step back and not look towards just the present, but to the future and what skills are going to become increasingly important in your field and then be the first to adopt them and take advantage of them so that you're positioned as things change as the expert or the new expert in your field. So you can add the most value. And if you add the most value, the salary and title will follow. Yeah. I mentioned to you before we started recording, Dan, that I'm married to a university professor, so I suppose that this award comes up for me a little bit more often than maybe for most people. But I couldn't help but think of, as I, was, as I was looking at your research and thinking about this concept, of the leader as one of their roles in most organizations as a faculty member. And I don't mean faculty in the traditional sense of the university, but a faculty member in that someone who creates the space where learning happens and practical application happens and really gives employees the opportunity to both learn from each other and to practice learning and to look for opportunities to support each other. And I'm curious, you know, when you've watched people and looked at the research and done the studies, do you see that showing up and, and people starting to have that dynamic as part of their leadership? I think leaders have not just the responsibility of being empathetic but to support their employees in every way possible. They need to be working for their employees and delivering knowledge and creating a safe space so that employees can freely share information so that everyone can benefit. And so, yes, I think a leader now has to almost be a shrink. They need to be a teacher. They have to fulfill all these new roles, which is stressful at some level, but also very important. The best leaders are going to be the ones that instill trust, that create a safe environment for idea sharing, that practice shared learning so people can follow their lead, either a leader, 
and actively share and contribute instead of being selfish with their education and development. So leaders who are teaching and investing and mentoring are going to be the ones that are more highly praised and the ones that people want to follow and emulate because great leaders create more great leaders. And that's what we need in our workplaces and even in government. Yeah, I'm curious about some of the practical things we can do for this because uh, there certainly are organizations out there that do this well already. And of course, there's organizations that still follow the model of, you know, if you, you have all the information, you're the most powerful person in the organization, unfortunately. So for the person who is looking for leveraging that kind of shift we've had in society of, hey, I want to be the curator, the air traffic controller, if you would, the empresario, as Seth Godin says, to really be the clearinghouse for information and to help people to create an environment where they learn. What does that look like practically in an organization as far as how that leader shows up on a daily basis or at the weekly staff meeting? Yeah, it does happen on a daily basis. This this is a leader that is constantly collecting and assimilating the right information at the right time and then sharing it with the people who would most benefit from that information. So for instance, my business partners are creating an artificial intelligence course and I know that it's going to be very popular and very relevant and in order to help them achieve their goal of making the course successful, anytime I see something that would benefit the course or make a new connection or some sort of research, I'm sending it to them immediately. I don't even think about it because I already know that it's going to benefit them the most because it's something that they're working on and it's going to help them accomplish their goals, which will help me accomplish my goals. So it's not just reading and learning the most. It's about really knowing your audience, knowing what your teammates are working on and delivering the information they need at that given time. So not just randomly sharing articles with people or blog posts or social media posts. It's about being conscious and really understanding the needs of the people you serve and then to provide the value to serve those needs through what you've learned. We were just having a conversation last night, one of our academy sessions about how do you structure a one-on-one with your employee? And so one of the things that's coming up for me and hearing you say that, Dan, is the importance for each of us as leaders to really be listening to what people are working on, what they're struggling with, what questions they're asking. And then as a step two, I'm holding those things and I'm thinking about them regularly through the week. And then when I come across the right article, the expert, the TED Talk, the podcast episode, whatever it is that is going to be helpful, then I add value by one, knowing what that is. Secondly, actually providing and making the connection for that person so they're able to benefit from that information. Yes. So I am not saying that you should just freely share random articles in hopes that people will read them. No one has time to read a thousand articles anymore. Your job is to be the arbiter of information, disseminate the information, curate it, and make sure the right articles with the most amount of value get to the people at the right time. Right? So it's being thoughtful about your audience, just like we have to be thoughtful about your podcast audience in the workplace. You have to really get to know your colleagues on a one-to-one basis. And you have to, you know, you're as the leader, you're providing them with, you know, their goals and and some help with how to accomplish their goals. And by knowing what they're working on, 
because you have a weekly conference call meeting or a, or a one-on-one meeting every Monday, you start to learn about what they could use at what given time period. And then as you're reading, as you're learning, take that information and share it with them. Yeah. And I keep coming back to this concept of uh, like a faculty member and several years ago, having taught courses, it, it was never a problem of finding good information. The problem was deciding what to leave out. And it seems like that's the problem I have today with the show and everything I share. It's like, what do I leave out? What do I not include? And how do I focus on only the things that are most relevant? And I think that's this is what's really new for me in what you're saying in this research is traditionally we've heard, you know, to network and to help people, we should be sharing things all the time and sending out good articles and posting on social media or whatever. And now this is really challenging me to think, how do I do that in a way that is very mindful of what's relevant contextually to that person and their step their stage of development right now so that I can really be supportive of them? Yeah, and the motto in this chapter is when I learn, I share. And it's that mindset that is so important today. Mm. Rather than being closed off and selfish, think about, okay, you know, Mike and Amy are working on this project and they need more research or insights or they need an introduction to an expert who can help them accomplish this. I'm going to make that introduction or send them this article or help them enroll in a class that's going to enable them to do their best work on that project because I've gotten to know them, what their needs are, and I understand the project they're working on because I'm their leader. And that that mentality is extremely valuable. I mean, I, I think all future leaders are going to focus on education and learning. I mean, even leaders of the past who are really savvy, like Jack Welch, I mean, they created the first corporate university. There's so many corporate universities now, big companies like Coca-Cola or McDonald's, and Deloitte and several other companies. But yeah, when learning is part of your business model, when it's part of the fabric of your culture, then real magic starts to happen because once you're, the CEO and the leadership is behind having a shared learning culture, everyone starts to become more educated and valuable so they can sh- contribute more. Again, if you have a big ego, if you're not willing to share because you think that's going to lead to more power and influence, you're thinking in the wrong way because doing the opposite is actually how you attract more people, how you get good you know, performance reviews, how you're able to help your team help you in a sense. Because if your team wins, you as a leader will win because yeah. you'll be able to move forward with your organization. And if you are you know, in middle management, you set yourself up for success because the more work you trust your team with and the more, you know, learning and and articles and knowledge you share with them, you're able to start doing the job of your manager and you'll eventually be able to move up in the organization as a result of taking on those new tasks and those new leadership goals. Yeah, I think uh, I'm so glad you mentioned corporate universities because I think the the mantra was a decade ago or 20 years ago when they first started emerging that you know we did learning and development when my team would go to the three day corporate university training or, or for the week long retreat or whatever was the event based piece of that and that that was our learning and development time. But now what I what I'm hearing you say and certainly seen as trends is that is one part of 
learning and development, but it's also incumbent upon us as leaders to have that be a daily practice. And that it's not only just us. And that's the other thing that was really interesting in, in reading through your work is part of this is also creating the dynamic within the team where team members are teaching each other. And so you've created an environment where that happens. And that happens, by the way. Google has a whole program, the G2G program, where they have hundreds of Googlers that are teaching other Googlers new skills. And it's a volunteer basis, so it's not like they're getting paid extra to do it. People want to teach others what they know. Yeah, and that's what's cool about it. And yet, in most organizations, that isn't part of the ecosystem, at least not yet. What is Google doing on that? Or what else have you seen in doing your research that you found that has gotten organizations and individuals into the habit of doing that peer-to-peer learning? Yeah, I think part of it is mentoring programs, you know, where young workers and more veteran workers are invested in helping each other learn and develop. They're meeting once every other week and spending an hour together so that the veteran can learn about the new technology and how these technologies are shaping business and their role as a leader. And then the veteran can help the young professional, young worker, understand how to get ahead at work. You know, op- open some doors for them, teach them about business processes, things that can really help them improve and get an advantage and try to avoid office politics as much as possible. So part of it is just creating the space to say, hey, this is okay, or we've got this structure to do it. And to your point earlier, people in most and a lot of organizations want to do this. Uh, they want to share knowledge. They want to help each other out. But for whatever reason, it may not happen as naturally in the organization as we like. So if the framework's there for it, people start to do that a little bit more naturally. Yeah. When people feel like they're in a safe environment, they're more likely to share. You know, Google's Project Aristotle found that the highest performing teams are the ones that are in a safe environment where they can sh- freely share their ideas without repercussions. And you know, it, it allows them to not feel like they're taking much of a risk because the company is supporting them and their leader is behind them. Now, if you aren't in an innovative culture, it's typically a situation where you get reprimanded when you come up with a new idea or you feel that just because you're 22 or 23 years old, you're not allowed to share ideas. That's not, that's a very toxic culture. You know, organizations are becoming increasingly flatter and more collaborative. So it's less about how old you are and what your title is and more about what ideas you bring to the table and how well you can execute. So organizations have to, even though they're very large, some of them have to think smaller, almost like startups, and be innovative if they want to exist in the, in the next five to 10 years. The Fortune 500 of today is going to be very different than the one of five or 20 years from now, right? Yeah. Things are constantly changing. Whole industries are getting disruptive. So it is about you know the social fabric of organizations that's so valuable and our ability to connect with others and establish human connection. And the key point is that use technology as a bridge to human connection, not a barrier, Yeah. right? Use the technology to find all this information, but then have a one-on-one conversation with a teammate and disseminate that information to them over lunch. You know, so many people sit in solidarity and alone in the workplace and eat lunch where 
at least a few times during the week, you could have lunch with a colleague and there's so many ideas that can be ex- exchanged through those conversations. So learning is, is all over the place. It's whatever you make it, right? It's not just about reading articles. It's about these one-on-one conversations you have at work where you're passing knowledge from one person to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. The thing with technology is it allows for scalability of learning, but it cannot replace face-to-face time. Yeah, so part of what I'm hearing you say is if you run into some of those obstacles, you know, if you're the person running into them, go find the other places in the organization that are emerging because there are other people who are certainly thinking that way. And if you're the leader, start prov- thinking about how do you provide those? How do you provide those intentional connections with people? And the other part I love that you hit on a little bit, and I think is such a key point in this, is whether it's a shared learning environment, whether it's a mentoring relationship, that the trainer or faculty, or mentor, or whatever word it is that traditionally is associated with the leader, that that person should be learning as much from the interaction as the person they're quote-unquote training and mentoring, right? Exactly. We can learn from everyone, whether it's from their successes or mistakes or something they're reading. There's always something to be learned because we're all different. And the more we open up and lean into who we actually are, the more that uniqueness is going to rub off on others and challenge others to think outside and inside the box and be more creative. And great leaders will continue to create more great leaders who learn and share without being selfish and having an ego and create organizations that are able to learn at the speed of business and transfer knowledge from one generation to the next generation to the next generation because eventually in the next 10 years there'll be a lot of people who are eventually going to retire because they're you know 65 years old 75 years old and organizations will lose all of that intelligence if they don't pass it on organizations always put off succession planning but eventually they're going to have to do it and many organizations will not be prepared to, to make that happen successfully and, and have a smooth transition because they didn't bridge the relationships between the veterans and the young employees. Well, speaking of learning, I mean, you've pointed this out so much in the conversation. You know, leaders have to be continually learning. It's become not a nice to have anymore, it's more of a necessity. And so as a result, we're always failing. What's something that you failed at, Dan, in the last few years if you've, as you've been doing this work and doing this research that's been a learning lesson for you? I think the biggest thing I learned when I was interviewing the 100 leaders is people don't see what they don't see, meaning that most people just want to, to be a part of something that's already successful instead of wanting to attach themselves to something that could be successful and betting on people. So I think people, including myself too, we need to have a little bit more faith in other people because as humans, we kind of want to do the right thing. You know, sometimes we get steered in the wrong path. Sometimes we're affected by the world around us and influenced by others. But at the end of the day, we're all human and we can all learn something from each other and we should have a little bit more faith in other people. And, and you can't be entitled to anything. So I guess when I was first starting to interview people, I was like, oh, everyone should, you know, want to be part of this book. My last two books were successful. You know, all that I had that original attitude, but then over time, 
I just realized by being empathetic to them, they're probably busy. They maybe don't want to be a part of a book or they don't see what I see, that the book is just the excuse to build a really strong community. And so I was a little bummed, but over time I've realized that people don't see it unless they see it. They want to see the result before they even participate many times. And so I, you got to appreciate the people who believe in you in the beginning without seeing the result. And you have to empathize with those who do not want to be part of your project or community because they can't. You mentioned the word empathy there a moment ago. It seems to come up in just about every conversation we have. It's a whole chapter in the book. And Dan, this has been super helpful of challenging us to think of creating those shared learning experiences in our organizations. We've hit maybe 10% of the book. We intentionally set aside a whole bunch here for our conversation. So for those of you, this is inspiring some new thoughts on. I hope you'll check it out. The book again is called Back to Human, How Great Leaders Create Connection in the Age of Isolation. Dan Chabel, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you as well. Thank you so much, Dan. Some additional episodes that'll be of value to you if you found this conversation useful. I'd recommend that you check out episode 163. The last time Dan was on the show, we talked about promoting yourself and others through intrapreneurship. Many of us, of course, have been hearing a lot about entrepreneurship, and we've talked about that on this show and some of the lessons we can take from the entrepreneurs these days in leadership. And Dan and I talked about intrapreneurship on that episode, how you can take the skills of entrepreneurship and apply it inside of an organization, a skill set that I think is really an essential one for just about every leader in today's economy. So 163 is the episode to check out for that. Also of value to you will be episode 236, How Super Bosses Master the Flow of Contents. Sidney Finkelstein was my guest on that episode, and we talked about how some of the most effective leaders out there are not just thinking about talent from their organization standpoint, but they're thinking about developing talent across the industry. So many wise words from his research in that episode, and also some great inspiration and motivation for all of us to really dive in and develop talent, regardless of where people's careers take them long term. And then finally, episode 273, Essentials of Adult Development. Mindy Dana was my guest on that episode, and we talked about the different stages of adult development and growth that obviously relates directly to this conversation. So if you're looking for some more lenses to look through how to support learning in your organization, episode 273 will be of value to you. And you can access all of those past episodes just by going to coachingforleaders.com slash podcast. You will see a place there if you're already a free member to search by topic for the episode or episodes you are searching for and whatever you are thinking about right now, concerned about right now, maybe even struggling with. Uh, if you do not yet have your free membership activated, you can do that really easily on that page or just by going over to the Coaching for Leaders com website and establishing your free membership there. Once you register, it's going to give you access to all of the past episodes since 2011, searchable by topic, 
In addition, my personal library, everything I find online each week that I think would be of value to leaders, uh, in addition to what I put in the weekly leadership guides, I archive in my personal library. You can access all of that inside the free membership. Uh, In addition to those weekly leadership guides that you'll get on Wednesday, plus a ton more, including the free 10-day audio course, 10 Ways to Empower the People You Lead. If you'd like to get access to all of that for free, just go over to coachingforleaders.com, set up your free membership, and you'll be off and running with the rest of our community. Have a great week and see you next week for our next conversation. Take care.